Welcome to the She Ventures podcast, dedicated to inspiring women to unleash their untapped potential across work, life, and beyond. We bring you stories and inspiration from around the world, across fields and industries, and ones that nourish the mind, body, and soul. Hosted by Georgina Miranda, founder and CEO of She Ventures. Thanks for joining. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for our She Ventures podcast. Today, we have the absolute pleasure of welcoming Gina Maffa from New York today to tell us a little bit about her upcoming new book and talk about something that probably all of us have experienced already in our lifetime or unfortunately will experience in our lifetime, and that is grief. So Gina, thank you so much for being here. Hi, Georgina. So good to be here with you. It's like being with an old friend. Yes. So, um, let's just dive in. Just to give people a little bit of a context of who you are, um, Gina is an author, a licensed psychotherapist, mental health educator, and media consultant in New York. And in practice for nearly two decades, she has helped thousands of people seeking treatment for trauma, grief, as well as challenging life experiences and transitions. So this includes work with Holocaust survivors at 92Y, as well as being a clinical director at Mount Sinai Hospital and specializing in addictions. She's received her master's degree in social work with a specialty in trauma from New York University. So no big deal. (laughs) It's always so weird to hear your bio, you know, it's, uh, it's really interesting. And I'm like, wow, that's no wonder I'm tired. <laughs> well, you but. know, this is it's a I would love to learn more about and and just talking about this aspect of grief and what specifically that means to you and and how it translates to your work and then I think that'll guide us into your upcoming book. Sure. Um well, grief in general is the loss of anything important or significant to you and it can be anything or anyone, right? So I think it's something that everybody has experienced at some point in their life, but probably doesn't always, isn't always aware that they have, especially with non-death losses. Um, For me, I was working in trauma and grief early on in my career, um, or actually first working more in trauma and then realizing one of the parts that wasn't really ever included was grief. And, you know, looking at the after effects of things of really, really hard, and traumatizing things we go through. Um, And all of that sort of led me to start my career in this place. But having lost my own mom, um, and also being a trauma and grief therapist, uh, you know, it really redefined what grief was to me and how grief manifests, having gone through it myself and having almost failed at it, right, which is something I say we can't do. Um, But it felt that way to me because I was like ignoring it for a really long period of time because I was thinking that I was a grief therapist. So like, I've been there, done that. Like I got this, I have all the training and understanding. Um, But I didn't realize really all that needed to to happen within me and that I'm not exempt from that grief class either. And so grief sort of redefined in a lot of ways for me, um, both for myself and how I use it in my work now. You said something around non-death grief or loss. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that because I, I know that it's taken me 
till later in life to realize that, you know, when a job came to an end, for example, that I didn't necessarily mm -hmm. plan for a layoff, uh, you know, a dream that I'd worked really hard for that didn't really pan out or has taken longer, that there's grief associated with these things. And I think that word can really be associated just purely with a, a death grief or a loss of some kind. It really is. I mean, traditionally, we only associate it with death. Um, but I think more and more, especially after the pandemic, um, where we saw loss across the board in so many different ways, you know, there were people coming to me um, after divorce, after breakups, after friendship loss, um, losing a job or a restaurant they just opened, you know, people were coming to me even with the loss of affection and the loss of a sense of safety. And it's stuff that we don't really associate with the idea of grieving. But like I said earlier, any kind of loss that feels important to us or any kind of change even, even if it's something positive, um, there's always that after effect of mourning or wistfulness um, or nostalgia or just the idea that we, we don't know what to do next. And it's actually more common in non-death losses that we grieve than you know than any kind of death loss for sure we get there but more of us throughout every period of our life right like even college rejection letters or you know prom time you know anything like that there's so much in there that we just don't we don't associate with loss and therefore sometimes we'll think we have anxiety or depression or whatever it may be and really it, it just is grief that needs to be acknowledged yeah no, it's, it's, it's something that needs to be acknowledged and likely processed, right, and looked at. And I, I always say, like, awareness drives change for anything, right? So if yes. you can't look and actually acknowledge that there's something to grieve, yeah. then you're likely can hold it, right? Um, Absolutely. So you uh, told me a little bit about grieving in a fast-paced society and how this mm -hmm. translates to the book you've just written which we're all dying to know more about so <laughs> what is grieving in a fast-paced society and how does this relate now to the book you've just written yeah you know a lot of it for me came about again um during the pandemic i think that was really a litmus test for how society deals with hard things and I don't know if you remember, but really during that time, it reels became something that were, you know, brought about by social media and not only reels and you have to get your message across in an entertaining way, but you have to get your message across in seven seconds or less. Right. And it became really apparent to me based on the conversations I was having with clients. You know, I work with emerging adults and, um, and, and people who are really high functioning, very busy and have very little patience for the unknown. And it's really hard because grief is the unknown, right? You can't tell somebody who comes to your office or you talk to over Zoom, hey, this experience that you're having is gonna be really messy and nonlinear and it's gonna last as long as it lasts and it will be unpredictable. Um, people don't have the capacity for that, I think at this particular time just doesn't work. Um, and it causes so much more anxiety and so much more of a negative emotional effect. Um, so for me, it was the idea of, okay, 
if we can't necessarily predict what grief is, how can we bridge it so that people will have a sense of agency over what is a really unpredictable path ahead? And so I basically decided I wanted to write a book after talking to some clients who were like, can you recommend some books? And everything that I was recommending just wasn't really hitting the right place. Um, and it's not that I believe my book fills in a gap, but I think what it does is it acknowledges that although there is no cure and no real individualized or actually no no recipe and no map for grieving that we can provide tools and again like you say self-awareness and look at our losses honestly and look at our patterns and look at our entire life which actually participates in that sense of grieving and how we grieve um, and we can look at that honestly and we can provide tools and we can actually provide a sense of agency for something that is really turbulent and confusing and disorienting, um, especially with people coming in after breakups um, and, you know, or job loss and not really knowing what to do next, because now they're questioning if that was ever really the job they wanted to begin with. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, so there's a lot of different layers in loss and people don't necessarily just want to sit and look through and sift through those layers indefinitely without a sense that there's going to be some relief at some point. And so that's really the hope and mission of my book is to provide that and be as close to grief therapy as one can get, um, providing access for people who don't have, you know, the ability mm -hmm. to go to therapy or maybe aren't ready yet or, you know, a lot of different things. So that's my hope. And the title, Moving On Doesn't Mean Letting Go. Can you just tell us a little bit what that means to you personally? For sure. You know, for me, it does have to do with a death loss. Um, I think society in general has such an anxiety over us grieving and and or society feeling hard feelings and pain for too long. You know, we were like, OK, you can feel that grief. You could feel that depression, but, you know, do it quickly, um, get it done with, make it neat and so many times, even after the loss of my own mother, and I hear this all the time with clients, people are saying, you know, you got to move on, you got to let go already. And those two are not mutually exclusive, right? Yes, we do move forward. And we do move on, quote, unquote. But we're not letting go of the meaning and the depth of feeling and the relationship, right? My mother will always be with me. Um, and that's a personal thought. But we carry people forward or we carry important things forward in our memories and our hearts and also in whatever way we can through rituals and mm -hmm. in ways that we honor. And we have to give people that. And so when we say move on, move on, we have to be really thoughtful and careful about how we say it and in the way we say it um, and understanding that, that those two do not belong together you know, and so it was a little bit of a sarcastic nod to society, you know, like, like simmer down already, we'll, we'll get there. But if I'm yeah. going to move on, it doesn't mean that I'm letting go. So. No, that's powerful, because, it, you know, all of these experiences also shape us, right? So it's almost yeah. dismissive to say that, you know, you, there is this part of acceptance of grief, right? That is the breakthrough point when you can finally accept what's what you've lost in whatever capacity, whatever that means to you. Um, yeah. But yet it's honoring what the experience or what it was also. So, 
Yes. Yeah. I think as a society, I mean, I also teach meditation and a lot of people are like, I don't, I don't, <laughs> that's really hard. I don't want to do that. I want to just sit there and, and uh, be with my thoughts, you know, and, and eventually you're, the thoughts come and go and you can, you know, but it's like anything else, right? It's uh, yeah. that, that willingness to have the awareness. So that oh, absolutely. Have some level of change in your life, because if you're not facing it, then it's, you're really not going to be able to let go. I mean, that's the reality. For sure. And it's scary, you know, it's not easy because looking at loss and looking at all of the things, looking at one loss means you're looking at all the other things you've lost yeah. in your life. One will always sort of domino effect to all of the others. And looking at that forces you to look at your life and your patterns and who you choose to be around and the ways you behave. And it's scary. And so I don't blame anyone for not wanting to go down that path. The, you know, the only reason that we would go down that path is because we want to change something or we want to heal. Yes. Um, and because it's too hard not to really, you know, because grief will come whether or not we want it to. Exactly. Um, so. And I'm so glad you use that word heal because I think in any type of self help or uh, aspect, the words of fixing and change always come up. And I think ultimately, yeah, that's what we're, the work is really the healing that's happening. Yeah. It's yeah. a wound, right? Grief is, grief is the, you know, the universal human wound and it's less science, more mystery and intuition. And, you know, I heard that recently and it, it's so true because there isn't anything to fix. You can't fix, you can't bring somebody back and you can't make what didn't work work really. Um, mm -hmm in a lot of ways, unless we're really healing something within us. And that's always the path. It's a tender one. You know, I always say, let's tend to something instead mm -hmm. of like, let, we're not a machine. We're not just being fixed. And there's nothing wrong with feeling what we feel um, or experiencing what we experience after loss. It's just that something deep within us has been penetrated with pain and 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 it's our soul you know it's it's a soul journey in a lot of ways especially um grieving mm, definitely so i mean who is this book for that I mean, we've talked about a lot of different aspects of of grief and that the reality that most of us well we're going to experience in our lifetime one way or another so who who did you write the book for I wrote the book for, you know, I would say my clients, right? But my mm -hmm. clients are sort of all of us, you know, you know, young adults, um, you know, millennials. Well, I'm, you know, we're right there. Um, Gen Z, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm aging myself on camera. Um, but, you know, there, it's really for anybody who is not sure about therapy. It's more of a clinical book, um, but I do talk about my own loss and I talk about a lot of things my clients have gone through. Um, but it's somebody who's not sure about therapy yet, but wants to be there, who is very, you know, busy <laughs> and wants to have some sense of control or agency over their experience in some small way every day. Um, somebody that doesn't always feel like the people around them get it. Um, you know, especially with younger people, there's less, you know, there's less to compare with, you know, a lot of people, as we get older, we lose a lot more, but when we're younger, there's not a whole lot of a reference point. So it could be really isolating and lonely. And I think it's just giving that permission 
to be present with our experience and that whatever it is, it's okay. Um, it's also okay to, to distract ourselves and, you know, and to scroll if we need to just not doom scroll. Um, and yeah, so it's people really living in this world who may, you know, just need some help to get through some things, whether it's going back to work, whether it's deciding on how to go to a, a party or an event, you know, it's, it's really how to date again, um, you know, how to be in a long-term relationship and go through loss. So I try to be as thorough as possible with all of the situations that we go through after a loss and how mm -hmm. we sort of reorient ourselves back to our life again, having been irreversibly changed and shifted by our loss. Um, and yeah, and although I am a spiritual person, I don't talk enough about it in my book, but I really welcome the opportunity. And I think having more discussions about the potential for how we can also create a sense of meaning spiritually mm. um, is something that I want to continue talking about in the book as well. Mm. And that's so true because a lot of how people process grief can have to do with their spiritual practices or spiritual beliefs. And mm -hmm. that'll be very different from one person to the next. For sure. So um, yeah, and it does impact. Yeah, our our whole belief system. Whether you know we fear death, don't fear death, all sorts of different things. So, a hundred percent. Yeah, and I always say, you know, whatever wisdom is, whatever works. As you know, and it's really important to sort of take if something spiritually works for you, go in that direction. If mm -hmm. science and clinical stuff works for you, let's go in that direction. And so it's really about honoring what works for us before and after. You know, because how we kind of cope with any hard thing in our lives is the way we're going to cope with grief, too. So mm -hmm. I'm still in that place of like, let's explore that together. Maybe it isn't faith or maybe it isn't spirituality. Maybe it is something else. Um, or maybe you become spiritual and more or more spiritual after loss. So mm -hmm. it's really just about exploring the ways that feel good um, because so little things feel good after loss. So it's mm -hmm. holding on to what what works in the moment. Maybe there's listeners or viewers that are considering working with a therapist around some type of grief and, or they've done that and yet there's still more to process. Right. So can you talk a little bit about the balance of like the client, the work with the client and then the work that that client likely has to do in their own day-to-day yeah. -to, -day to process grief, right? Because it's, I imagine that it's not just resolved in therapy sessions alone, that there's the inner work that has to happen the day on day. For sure. Um, you know, I always say it's really not about processing grief so much as being with it and befriending it because it's just going to come up and it will come up in waves. And sometimes it will feel like we're being thrust underwater and sometimes we'll feel strong that day and we'll be able to swim you know underneath it and get through but i think that sort of changing our language around it as something to fix or you know necessarily even something to process can make it feel so daunting um in therapy it's a lot of exploratory stuff where it's not just talking about the loss but talking about life and what feels good and what you know things were hard beforehand but i think um you know, for anyone looking to work with a therapist, it's really about being held in a safe place so that we can look at everything. You know, some people come to me and they have had a really bad relationship with somebody they lost. 
and they want to work through that. And it's not necessarily about feeling the missing them in the day to day, but the nuance of living now with the idea that they'll never be able to fix it, or they'll never be able to have a better experience um, and grieving the past, you know, and, and that's a really hard thing to do. And so it's not necessarily a, a day-to-day processing as much as it is being in the moment, holding really sacred space for it, asking a lot of questions um, with tenderness and witnessing um, the putting back together of ourself and our own heart as in a, in a really empowered way. Um, so it's, you know, I always say it's like, it's part detective work, right? Cause I get to explore with you how things have been before, how things are now. Um, it's, it is a processing of different types of emotions in the moment. And then it's sort of sending people off thinking about, you know, accepting their feelings or thinking about the things that they don't allow in within their grief experience. Um, and thinking about the things they want to invite, the things they don't want anymore, how to create boundaries, how to how to know what their needs are, because we often say so much like, meet your own needs first and create mm-hmm. your boundaries. But we forget sometimes when people are thrust into loss that it's, first of all, involuntary state that we're in, but also we don't really know what we need because our needs change from moment to moment. And this can be really in any hard situation that people go through. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of like teaching people to listen, check in enough to learn what their needs are, to learn what triggers them, you know, down the road, even if it's a breakup, even if it's a loss of a job, seeing something that reminds you of that loss can really reawaken those, you know, the trauma effects of a loss or those really hard feelings and learning how to be with them and what to do in those moments. Um, so that's what a lot of my book does. It's, it's a lot of preparation a lot of prevention and a lot of self-understanding with tenderness and honesty. Amazing. And I think, you know, the, again, it's just so powerful to have a guide of some kind, especially if you don't have access to a therapist or that's a process or not a process, but that's a practice that you're not ready to dive into yeah. yet. Yeah. You know, or just this grief that's been, hanging on and that you, you know, are ready to, to revisit it, I guess. And like you said, I think it's really beautiful to be with it again. Um, So tell us a little bit about your inspiration for the book. I mean, writing a book is no easy feat. Um, I'll definitely ask you a little bit about that for any aspiring authors out there. Um, But what, what, what inspired you to, to finally go ahead and, and do it and put your, your work on the page, so to speak? Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, I think that I felt like I've been doing this work for a really long time. And for so long, I kept thinking, okay, so I'm hearing from clients that there isn't a book necessarily that speaks to where they are um, in this fast-paced lifestyle post-COVID, which we're still in, but, you know, in a place where now we're coming out of it and we just need to catch up, we feel. And I wanted to be a part of the conversation, right? You know, as somebody who has gone through grief, I bought maybe six or seven books, maybe one or two of them spoke to me, but I needed to see what all of the different things were. Um, But for a long period of time, even when my clients were saying, hey, like, maybe you could write the book because we like what you're saying. <laughs> or, you know, like, when we're here, this is great. Can I have something to take with me? 
Um, but it was really hard to feel the confidence, even doing this for 19 years, that I could write something and, you know, like the why me, like who do I think I am moment came up a lot, um, which I think as women, more women can understand that than men, <laughs> you know, the because syndrome will creep in. Uh, sure does. It sure inevitably does. And unfortunately, I mean, I coach a lot of amazing women and. You know, I've, I've, of course, when you're the outsider looking in, you're like, wait a minute, but you're amazing and you're so talented and knowledgeable and incredible. And why would you ever doubt yourself? You know, and again, if I point the mirror back at myself, I've experienced it myself and in different capacities. So I think that's it's a very human thing that. Yeah. That, and it's, but it can be really destructive, right? It can yeah. stop people from doing the things that they are they are drawn to do, meant to do, you know, yes. pushed to do. And, and that almost happened with me. And so, you know, I, I kind of worked through that in a way. And I was like, well, I'll just try it and we'll yeah. see what happens. And um, got myself a really amazing book coach that, you know, and yes. <laughs> how, which is some, how, uh, how we met. And, you know, she really helped me create a proposal that was clear enough that made me feel like I'm not selling anything that I couldn't do. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, like you have to know inside and out what you're putting out there. And it felt, it felt honest to me and it felt like, okay, this is what I do every day. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, so I can do this. Yes. Okay. I can do this. If I look at it this way, I can write a book because this is actually, I'm writing a book about what I do every day. Sure. Um, and it's not about me. It's it's about other people and it's about supporting and providing access. And and when I stay in that mind space, I feel inspired to keep going. Um, so, yeah. So it was when I think of my clients, when I say who inspired it? Yeah, it, it was inspired by my young, dynamic grievers <laughs> and and who really reminded me that there's value in this particular work when you come to it with authenticity and honesty and also yeah and and taking a risk you know I'm asking them every single day or every week that they're here to to take a risk with me to open their heart and open their wound up and allow me in you know and allow me to be their traveling companion and wow what an honor what a privilege what a humbling experience that is and and when I decided to stay honest to that the book itself sort of came easily and um, wound up, you know, miraculously getting a, a wonderful team um, and a book deal. And, and yeah, and that is my hope is to really just be a part of the conversation for people that need this specific type of book. Not everyone needs a guide. Some people love memoirs. I was somebody who loved memoirs, but I also could have used a guide <laughs> looking exactly. at it now. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, we, we learn from other people's stories, but sometimes we also need to put tools in our toolbox for ourselves to take away. And so I'm grateful that my clients even planted that idea in my head because they were, they were my teachers in this place. No, that's wonderful. And, and, you know, I think that that's really powerful shift sometimes we internalize the fear of this imposter syndrome so much but yeah. if we can actually like step back and look at wait what is the purpose like what's the beautiful purpose behind what I want to do and kind of detach the yourself from the purpose and just you know connect with that 
that ability to serve that purpose, then the other fear of what if I mess it up? What if, you know, why should I be doing it? All these things, I think melts away a little bit. Like it starts to peel off a bit um, when you can focus on the why uh, and, and less on the, the, the why you need to do it versus the, the, and why you should do it versus the why am I doing this? <laughs> if that That's makes so, sense. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's it. Exactly. That's so well said because that is exactly it. And I think it's hard sometimes to do that because we are, we are sometimes very self-conscious human beings and we're always sort of looking to see if we're on the right track. I know I do. Um, and needing sometimes that outside validation, you know, but the moment that I remembered that, I could ask my mom to be in this with me and that, and when I started to say like, okay, like whatever the book's highest good is, that's what I want. Yeah. However, it can help the most people in this specific way. Great. Let that be it. Let, let, let us go in that direction. And once I really, just like you said, like once I took myself out of it, it felt better. And because then you realize that you're doing something that has nothing to do with you and you're just, providing something through you yeah. and and that felt so much better to me so it's it's headed out in the world soon and I'm terrified <laughs> but um you know but my hope is that again that its highest good is reached for the people who need it and yeah. and it may not be you know it may not be this instant hot seller because number one people don't love to talk about grief and number two people don't know they're grieving a lot of the time and number three, you know, it's, it's a book on grief. <laughs> so we don't usually buy them unless we really need it. And so um, it's uh, once you let go of kind of all of that stuff and you just hope for people to find it who need to find it, it feels a lot better. And, you know, the work is here, but the heart is here, too. So most definitely. And I, I don't know. I think that when we're in pain or we're hurting we're also guided to what we need. I, I think of a few books that, you know, divine timing of when they appeared in my life and, and how helpful they were. Um, and like you said, you know, gave me the tools to, to develop new practices for, for my life in that, that moment. Um, so how can people find your book and find out more about it and pre-order it and, all those oh my goodness. Things. That would be amazing. Um, well, you can find it on my website. Um, it's ginamafa.com. Um, I also have been talking about it on Instagram. If you want to come and be a part of my community there, it's um, at ginamafa, LCSW. Um, it's everywhere books are sold right now. I personally love bookshop.org. Um, and yeah, but anywhere you feel comfortable buying books, a lot of people go to Amazon. Um, I love kind of supporting small bookshops and independent bookstores. Um, but really, I would be eternally grateful for anyone who needs the book to find the book. Um, and yeah, I'm just, it, to me, it's more about wanting to create a sense of community around this. And so I, I more hope that people either find the book and then find me um, or vice versa so that we can actually have a larger community and um, bring the idea that we can become more grief literate as a society and be better for each other and show up better for each other and allow people's pain to come through. So, you know, that's my hope also with not just the book, but with creating a, a grief community. 
Yeah. And I think there's so much power in knowing that you're not alone in sitting with your grief because you can't compare grief, right? It just because, you know, even if you had, you can look at five people and they all had, you know, different things that happened and you're like, wow, that one was so horrible. I can't, how could I even put myself in the same category? Grief is grief. Like your experience is your experience. So I think there's a lot of beauty and power in community and being able to hold space and, and know that you're not in it alone. You're not alone. So you just created a community, I thought, right? And you, you're having like a street team. There's other fun things going <laughs> on. So um, how, do, how do people find out about that? And we'll be sure to put all the links and everything as well. But um, we'd love to hear from you. I love it. Um, you can join my street team. Actually, um, I have a link to it on my Instagram links um, bio page. Um, joining my street team. I just love the term street team. It gives me such a visual. I feel like we're out there like Bernie Sanders or something going door to door on stuff. But um, it really is just to get the word out about grief, grievers, my book, um, all of that. But it's, it's really about creating a sense of community. I have a lot of fun things that I give out. I guess it's not fun necessarily, but, um, but I have some things that I give away. Um, there's a lot of sneak peeks into the book um, and also some swag. But um, beyond that, I also just formed a Facebook community for grievers. Um, and it's just gone live yesterday, actually. So I just wanted to, to have another space where we could come together um, and have not just it be peer support, but somebody who is in the field and in the trenches be a part of facilitating it. Um, and you can find it at the page on Facebook is called actually the same name of my book, which is moving on doesn't mean letting go. Mm -hmm. um, so if you find yourself on Facebook um, and want to join and be a part of it, I welcome you with open arms and open heart um, and would love to just meet new people here and and help people to feel a little bit less isolated in this experience. No, that's wonderful. So we'll be sure to share all those links. Um, and as we wrapped up, just a couple of things. I mean, what would you say to somebody that's just starting their grief journey right now? They're listening. They were called to this podcast for whatever reason, and they don't really know where to begin. Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on kind of where people are feeling, but I always say sort of manage our expectations as a griever, right? So that means like, don't compare yourself, like you said earlier, with other people's grief, you know, make sure first and foremost, that you're taking care of your body grief takes endurance. And that's something I learned myself the hard way early on when I said I failed at grief was I didn't include my body in it. So mm -hmm. I would say making sure that we that we move our body gently, that we take walks, that we spend time in nature, that we drink enough water, which I am also guilty of not doing enough of, um, and getting as much rest as we can, even if we can't sleep or we're sleeping too much, like that is really important to do early on. Um, is starting really very basic with our bodies and really just spending time with people who get it and people who support you. Um, I think we have a tendency to push ourselves a lot to do things we're not ready for or things we don't want to do. And I always say, make an ABC plan. So, you know, if you want to do it, start out plan A. If you get to that day and you can't do it, let's already have a plan B started. And if that doesn't feel good, let's have a plan C ready to go. Um, just so it doesn't feel so overwhelming that day. You already know you've got something in place that you can jump into. Um, I think these are sort of the places to start. 
Um, and obviously, if it feels overwhelming, reaching out to people, whether it's a support group, whether it's a religious figure, uh, whether it's a coach, or whether it's someone like me as a therapist who specializes in grief and trauma, um, please don't be afraid to at least just reach out and just you don't have to go through this alone and you shouldn't. So yeah. that's where I would start. Thank you. And for any aspiring uh, authors out there, um, <laughs> anything you would share? <laughs> Hire a book coach. I, I, I'm going to say that one. <laughs> Hire a book coach for sure. Hire a book coach. Also, it's Hire. not what it Hire looks Michelle. like. Hire Michelle. Michelle's link in there too because we've alluded to for her a sure. couple of times. In this, uh, Absolutely. <laughs> Rochelle Fredson. RochelleFredson.com. But um, yeah, I would say you don't have to do it alone. All of those moments that we see people writing alone in the woods, you know, it's it's such an interesting Thing. I used to think that's how you wrote a book, but um, writing the book alone is just not the way to go. Um, and I would say also just making sure that you have the right support because it is a really scary, long, isolating experience sometimes. Um, but just to stay at it, to remember why you're writing it and to talk to as many people about it as you can, because the more we talk about it, the clearer we get about our ideas and the more that energy gets out into the universe <laughs> and it becomes, you know, just a solid creation already. So um, I would say that take care of your body like you would as a griever and um, and know that you don't have to do it alone. But um, but if you think you have a book in you, you do. Yeah. And and to keep believing in that and and reach out to people like all of us who have written a book or, or have wanted to and are, are on that path. And just ask whatever questions you can. Everyone who's written a book loves to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint, for sure. Correct, correct. So, uh, well, Gina, anyway. thank you so so much for being with us and for just your uh, tenderness in the conversation. Thank and, you. Uh, we'll be sure to post all the links um, again. If anything in this podcast is calling and speaking to you, you can go on Gina's website, ginamafa.com and learn more about moving on doesn't mean letting go and the community groups and all the other good things. So thank you so thank much. You. Thank you, Georgina. Thank you for your time. And thank you for the work you do. Thanks for inspiring so many. It's including myself. You're a gift. You are a gift to the world. So thank you. Thank you.